0: All right, well, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to get there in just a few minutes, but I want to also paint a picture of what next Sunday is going to look like. I don't want you to be surprised when you come to service um, and uh, things are a little bit different. Next week, we are going to have, uh, we have 10 confirmed guests uh, local ministries, local individuals that we are sowing seed into their ministries um, that are going to be here to worship with us, both services. So what that means is that we're gonna, when we get here, we're gonna want to be exceptionally friendly and exceptionally um, out of our box and welcoming because we're going to see some unfamiliar faces people that don't normally worship with us um, next week starts our missions convention on Sunday morning and what we'll, we'll go through worship like normal uh, hopefully no glitches like this morning but um, and uh, we're going to worship God together in a powerful incredible way and then our plan for the rest of the service is to hear reports, and then to have a, we're asking God to give us a prayer burden for our city, for the lakeshore. How many know that we are planted here, our church, for this time, for this, uh, for this place to make a difference, to make an impact in this community? Amen? And so next week as we come together, we're going to hear reports. We're going to hear things uh, that are going to challenge you, that are going to give you prayer burdens. I believe that as we hear some of the things, that we're going to get a a heart to say, you know what? I want to do something more than just giving. I want to be participating in what God is doing on the lakeshore. And so that's what next Sunday is going to be. And then Pastor Pete mentioned our banquet, which is the following Saturday night. Uh, Doug Clay will be with us. Uh, uh, he's uh, from the national office um, in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, I've known Doug Clay for many, many years. Uh, he's got a passion for missions. He'll be with us. We've got um, we've got uh, just numerous videos from missionaries overseas that weekend that we'll uh, experience and hear thank yous and shareholders reports um, for on that fr- um I'm sorry, on that Saturday night and then Sunday morning, the last Sunday of the month. This is to me one of the most important seasons. of of the Gateway Church every year to highlight missions to leave the flags up for a month to boy what we're doing with the seven project um, is just incredible uh, with the Operation Christmas Child all of these things are are things that identify who we are and why we are here we want to make a difference I was he, I was talking with some pastors uh, recently and they were, the question in this pastor's group, was if your church ceased to exist, if it just disappeared, if it just you know, went away, and all of a sudden the Gateway Church, for example, didn't exist, would anyone even care? Would anyone even notice and I pray to God that people would notice, amen, and that the community would, ha- would have a huge gaping hole because of the influence that we have. And so that's what we're going to highlight over the next couple weeks. It's an exciting time. I want to challenge you to be praying, to be praying about faith promise giving, which I'll send a letter home this week and kind of talks about faith promise. For some of you, you say, boy, that's a, a an unfamiliar uh, thing. Some of you have uh, never heard of faith promise giving, well, we're going to talk about that as a as a church and why that's important to us, why we see that as a key to our future, continued future here at the Gateway Church. And then we're also going to have opportunities to give uh, in the next couple weeks. And it's just going to be uh, one of those seasons that we're going to look back and say, man, God really met us. God blessed us. And so please make it a priority the next couple Sundays to be with us. And uh, we appreciate that. Amen? Amen. Well, we mentioned that we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hopefully you've turned there. Uh, We'll be reading there momentarily. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. It's probably the most recognized chapter Uh, Chapter in 1 Corinthians, maybe even in the entire New Testament. Um, And what's interesting, people, they love this chapter. Uh, Many, many people will go to this chapter for encouragement and uh, understand what love is. And uh, what happens, unfortunately, it's often studied outside of the context of. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 in particular. Now, last week, we started kind of as an introduction, looked at the first three verses there, and Paul, he's using himself as an example, and he says, Without love, you can have spiritual gifts, you can give, you can serve, you can do all of these things, but without love, you're an absolutely z- a, a nothing, you're a zero. And this was important for the Corinthian believers to understand and to embrace because at that point, the Corinthians, they were puffed up in themselves. They had spiritual gifts at work within the church, which was great, but they were ranking individuals. That those that had the outward spiritual gifts were of a higher status than those from the lower, you know, and they were ranking in different things. There were abuses of gifts. There was, uh, they had discussions about this, the distribution of gifts. And then the order of service, it was kind of a free-for-all. Uh, kind of just, there was a lot of disorder within the community. And we'll see that in chapter 14 when we get there. And Paul is saying to the Corinthian believers and to the leaders there, he's saying, hello, you're missing it. You've missed the key ingredient to ministry and the key ingredient is love. And in verse 13, it says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. Love." And that's echoed in Jesus' ministry. He says, look, if you're going to be known as as a disciple of mine, you'll be known by your love. 1 Peter 4.8 says that above all else, we are to love deeply. Romans 13, verse 10 says that that love is the fulfillment of the law. So you go back to the Old Testament and all of those rules, all of the things that the Jewish people tried to follow. If you summed it all up, if you summed up God's law, according to Romans 13, it comes down to love. Last week, I wanted to turn to Galatians chapter 5. I want you to turn there with me. I missed it uh, somehow. It, I had it in my pre-notes, and then when I got to uh, to my to write out my, the message, I forgot or I missed it somehow. But this week, as I was kind of re-upping and looking at the, from last week to this week, um, I had run across this uh, this verse, and it's in uh, Galatians chapter five, uh, starting in verse six. Um, it's interesting. It says it says here it says for Christ Jesus neither circumcised, neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value. So what is he saying here um, to the Galatian church? He's saying the things on the outside are not all that important, right? But then he says, the only thing that counts, and just put that into your own life, the only thing that matters. Some of you think, you know, schools, that's all that matters, to get through, to graduate, to, uh, to do that. Some of you think sports is you know, all that matters. That's the only thing on your mind. I've, I've been there. I understand that. Um, you know, In high school, that, that's all I could think about was basketball, basketball, basketball. But he's saying here, the only thing that matters. For some of you, it's money. You say, boy, the pursuit of you know, making money or making sure that my uh, accounts are full. Paul's saying, no, the only thing that matters, not your friends, not your family even, Right? The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. And I just want to challenge us that today and over the next several weeks, as we look at what love is, that God is going to help us to understand love in a deeper and a more full way. And what happens is that God's people at times, the body of Christ, we live our lives absent of love like the corinthians were see the corinthians they had the best gifts at work first corinthians chapter one we read it and we studied it many months ago i understand that but you can go back and read they had the gifts at work they had the best communicators apollos was one of the the greatest orators of the age They had the best apostle, arguably, who planted the church, the apostle Paul himself. And in in result of that, they had good doctrine. They had great theology. And really, 1 Corinthians primarily is not about theology. He's not correcting the theology until chapter 15 for a short bit. But Paul is saying, look, you can have all these ministry things. You can have all these things going for you. But without love, you're a zero. Last week, our, our mantra, what we said is that, Life minus love equals zero. Everyone just say that with me. Life minus love equals zero. And the love that we're addressing, that we're discussing, that we're studying is agape love. It's a self-sacrificing love, willing to serve in obedience to God. It's not a romantic love. It's not a brotherly love or an emotional love. And so what Paul does in verses 4 Five, six, and seven, in those four verses, he gives us a description, not really a definition, but a description of what love is. Uh, One commentator said it's the most comprehensive description of what love is that has ever been penned or ever been written. And it's a description, it's not abstract, we're going to see. It's not an attitude or an uh, ideology. It's a behavior. In fact, when we look at these few verses here in a moment, we're going to see that love is an action, it's a deed, it's an activity. It's a list of 15 words uh, in the Greek, they're all verbs. And unfortunately, in the English, some of those verbs have become adjectives. And I had to look up what an adjective is. It's, an adjective is a word naming an attribute added to a, a noun to modify or describe it. And that, so we see some differences that. And we'll see that even with today, patience and kind and, uh, and some of those things. Those are adjectives. But love is a verb. It's an action. And so when you say, I love my wife or I love my kids, or I love my friend, or I love my school, or I love the Gateway Church. All right? If you you say that, but if you say that and never do anything, if there's no action towards what you've just said, you really don't love. Without self-sacrifice, it is not love. So the goal over these next few weeks is that if love is the greatest, which we believe it is, then we must evaluate ourselves. Do the hard work to understand and then apply these verses, verses four through seven. And to love at work, to love at home, to love at the church, to love everywhere. Whether it's convenient, whether it's even returned back to you, we should love with everyone in every situation and in every interaction. And by the way, we often will kind of go through this and some people will look at the the love chapter and say, oh, well, I understand what these words or these verbs mean. And I get that. The problem is, is we don't often apply those things. And really, as I was thinking about it and praying, just it doesn't really matter, you know, uh, if I do a good job today, you know, preaching, or if I'm boring, or if I'm not, or if you fall asleep, or whatever, uh, or if you like what I say, or you don't, or if it's old information, or it's brand new revelation, the only thing that matters is your integrity and your honesty to say, okay, with this list of what love is, does this describe me? Or is this not describing my current reality. And if it's not, we believe, I believe that, that God can do a miracle in our lives. So with me, you I know you're already there 1 Corinthians 13. I want you to stand and we're going to read we're going to read these verses describing what love is and then we're going to tackle just a couple of these this morning. And uh, we're going to take our time through these. If this is the greatest thing, we should take our time through this and make sure we get a good understanding. How many would agree with that? Amen. And I know we're going to tackle two today, and you say there's 15 if we do two every week. It's going to be like 2016 before we finish 1 Corinthians. But I promise we'll move a little more aggressively after today. But let's read uh, verses 4 through 7 together, or not together, but I'm going to read it. You watch her along or read along. That'd be good. Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in the evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then, of course, verse 8, many of you know, love never fails. Let's pray. Lord, your word is really rich, and I pray that it would really just speak to us today as we try to get our mind around what love is is i pray that it would uh, you would use me as a mouthpiece and god that there would be um, just uh, the glory and all the honor would go to you and lord that you would change our hearts you would challenge us in the word today we give you the praise for it in jesus name amen you can be seated this morning the first thing it describes is that love is patient Some commentators believe that Corinthians, they struggled most with uh, patience. And so that's why Paul put it first. But really, um, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think that it's just a list. I don't think there's an order of importance in these things. Uh, But some believe that that might be true. But the truth is, is that in the English word, in the English language, we really don't capture what patience is very well. It's not a situational frustration that we're talking about. It's not, you know, when you get to Christmas morning and you open up all the gifts and then it's time to really open the gifts. You know, if, uh, if you've been a parent before and you've got to get in and open up those crazy gifts and all those wires and, and you're, maybe you've got to put something together, that's not the type of frustration or the patience that we're talking about. It's not patience driving in rush hour. That we're you know it's to avoid the honk or the you know hey uh, you know that kind of thing. That's not the type of patience we're talking about. It's not with circumstances or events. It's not waiting for the toast to pop up. That's not the type of patience that we're talking about. When it says love is patient, in the Greek, the word is used to describe patience with people. Every time that this word is used, patience with people. The patience is personal, and it always is in the context of relationships. I thought that was kind of interesting. The idea with patience is that it's suffering long. Maybe in your Bible, it's long suffering. uh, But that idea that this patience comes, and it's something that is hard to do. It's the ability to be wronged, and to be wronged again, and to have the ability or the power to retaliate and to never even think about it. Let me explain that again. Patience is the ability to be wronged and wronged again, to have the ability or the power to retaliate, to get even, to get back at somebody, but then to never even think about it, that it wouldn't even cross your mind. That is what patience is. Now, there's some people that would say, well, I must have patience. I would never retaliate. Well, that's not, not always necessarily true. That last little phrase that we would never even think about it. See, some people would never think about retaliating, uh, but they would, uh, but they just let it burn inside of them, or they go off and sulk, or they give the quiet treatment, right, in relationships. But the Bible says that love is patient never retaliates, never recounts the wrong, never even thinks or dwells on it. And what's interesting is this is distinctly a Christian concept. This is not something that the world embraces necessarily. See, in the Greek culture, when this was written, uh, to not retaliate meant that you were weak because they honored rhetoric and debate and all of those things. In fact, uh, uh, Aristotle said this, that the great Greek virtue is the refusal to tolerate any insult or injury and a readiness to strike back at any hurt. Can you imagine that that's what was valued in that culture, And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about a movie from way back. Um, It goes back probably a decade or more, maybe two decades, I'm not sure. But how many have ever seen the movie You've Got Mail? You ever seen that? Meg Ryan and uh, um, Bill... Tom Hanks? Yeah, thanks. But it is Meg Ryan, right? Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, so we got these two characters in this movie. I was thinking about it. And, um, and when you think about this virtue of getting back or striking back at any hurt, um, Meg Ryan, she's the local small business owner. And then Mr. Fox, uh, uh, Tom Hanks is this big store owner, kind of representing like the Barnes and Noble type, coming into the neighborhood and putting the little guy out of business. And they were talking, had this interaction. I, don't, If you've seen the movie, you might remember. And uh, Meg Ryan, and in her character, she says, man, I would love to have the ability that in the moment when I'm feeling something come up inside, just to give a zinger back, but I can never think of it. And I, I think about it later on. And I can relate to that. How many of you ever, you know, you're in the moment, you can't think of what to say. You would love to say it, and it and, but you can't. And then later on, your head's on the pillow and you're like, oh, if I could have just said this, I would have really got them, Right right? How many of you've been there, right? But what's interesting is that Mr. Fox, Tom Hanks, his character, he says, no, he had the ability to just, you know, whip it off and to to say it, say whatever's on his mind or to, to give this, you know, that he would have been admired in the Greek culture, this virtue, right? But he says, the moment you do, You regret it. You wish you could never do it. And then the movie goes on. She actually gets the opportunity to say something in the moment, and then she regrets it. Really interesting, uh, kind of a fun movie. But that Greek virtue was refusing to tolerate any insult or injury and the readiness to strike back. In our society, at some level, we admire that type of interaction. But what the Bible says is that love is long-suffering suffering long. In other words, love has a long fuse and it never seeks revenge. It won't sulk. It won't seek to get back at somebody. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 gives us an an encouragement. This is to the Ephesians church, the church in Ephesus. And Paul's here is writing again. He says, be completely humble. How many are you know, working on that one still, right? Be completely humble and gentle. And then he says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. See, this love and this patience, it's in relationships, and they're inextricable. You can't take the two apart, love and being patient, all right? And where, what we see here is that we need to consider others better than ourselves, not just those who are actually better at things than we are, right? That's, that's kind of interesting. We can kind of do that. We can say, oh, well, I admire this person. They're better than I. But even those that aren't as good at you in a certain area, or maybe an enemy, or people that you don't know uh, or don't know what you know, we need to be humble. We need to be gentle in all those circumstances, and we need to be patient in love. And in this whole conversation, we can't miss that God, He's the ultimate example, right? God is love. We read it this morning in 1 John. God is love. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, let's turn there for a moment. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I love this. It says here that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. And this comes out of, he's talking about that uh, to the uh, the Lord a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. And uh, so it says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. And then it says this, God, the Lord, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. He's patient with you. He's patient with me. And I don't know about you, but when I think about God in my life, that has certainly been my story, that God has been patient with me. And I'm thankful for that. Um, And also, when I think about that I I love what Dave Ramsey says on the radio. If you listen to him on the radio, uh, when he's asked, "Hey, how are you?" What does he always say? "Better than I deserve." Right? The patience of the Lord is the result, and because of that, we can say, "Well, what do I deserve? I deserve death. I deserve destruction. I deserve a whole lot of of bad." But we get so much of. God's love because of his patience. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it's it talks about God, his kindness leading us towards repentance. The very fact that if you've surrendered your life to the Lord, there was a measure of patience there. And it was God's kindness, which we'll look at here in a minute, that led you towards understanding your sinfulness. The point is, God is patient. And how many are, you, are glad for God's patience? Amen? Amen. So the question is, is, okay, we understand that God is patient, but what about us? How patient are you? How long-suffering are you? If someone wrongs you on purpose or repeatedly, do you say, hey, I've had enough, and you draw a line in the sand, and you're ready to go and box and fight? Or do you get annoyed and maybe walk away annoyed and and you're quiet and you sulk? I don't know. It's interesting, this week uh, on Monday I was doing some pre-study for these different things. I've been actually doing some pre-study for the last several weeks. But a friend of mine stops in the office and uh, is dealing with this atheist uh, in, in her life. And she's, uh, she's uh, a public figure. You know who she is, but I, um, I'm not going to tell you who it is. But she comes in and she's, she's struggling with this person in her life that every time she sees this guy's name written or she sees this, uh, this, uh, this situation or is asked a question about the situation that she's faced with, She has these feelings that kind of come up in her life, and she's like, Man, I don't like this. And uh, anytime. And uh, and so I was able to share with her what I was studying that morning about God's patience and, and about these things that God is patient and God is love, and even to atheists. And we talked about how she can kind of try to love him and try to do something nice for him, kind of heap some coal in his lap. You know, I kind of talked about that a little bit. But then later in the week, I was continuing my study, and I ran across. Um, this, this question that this atheist, about a hundred years ago, would he would tell, or talk about these lectures about God, against God, and he would say at the, at, uh, in his speech, he would stand up, he'd take his watch out, not on, but probably a pocket watch, I guess, and he'd say, look, I will give God five minutes to strike me dead for the things that I've just said. Kind of just tempting God, right? And then he would kind of wait, and he wouldn't get struck by lightning. He wouldn't get, you know, zapped. He wouldn't, wouldn't sizzle. And then he would continue with his conversation and kind of saying, hey, God is not real. God is not here. God, you know, he wouldn't do this. And then what's interesting is someone told a Christian theologian, uh, Theodore Parker, about this. And Theodore Parker said this, and I think it's brilliant in regards to an atheist. He said, did this gentleman think that he could exhaust the patience of an eternal God in five minutes. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? And I'm thinking, man, that's the patience that we need, that, that we would love, and love forgives, and God, love forgives, and there's patience to 70 times 7, or 77 times, the Bible says, in two different areas. And that idea of that endurance, that long-suffering, leads us to the second attribute of kindness, that love is kind. So it says love is patient, then love is kind. John MacArthur said this, that long-suffering endures the injuries of others, the injuries of others, and kindness pays them back only with good deeds. (laughs) So patience says, look, I will take anything from anyone, from others, even my enemies, and kindness says, I will give anything to others, even to my enemies, to meet their needs. The root word that's used there in the Greek, to, that love is kind, is really describes what is useful. And the word, the term means useful. So that love is useful, if you can put it in that context, that I will do anything that will be of use to my enemy, that will be of use to another. I will live my life to the benefit of others. That's what love is kind means. Love is useful to other people. It's not abstract. It's not an adjective. It's the deed of kindness. It's the deed of generosity. It's the act that you do for someone else that they need to have done. It's not saying that love is kind. It's this sweet attitude. And you think of the old lady that's kind, right? Oh, so she's so kind, right? No, kindness, it's a love that gives itself away even to an enemy. This love, it is doing a useful deed for someone else. And when Jesus says, love your enemies... He doesn't mean, oh, just have good feelings towards them. It means to love them with action, agape, doing good to others, even your enemy, doing something useful. And by the way, just like God is patient, God is also kind. We can see in uh, Psalm chapter 31, verse 21, you can turn there in your Bibles, and you may want to underline this. It's very interesting. Psalm 31:21 says praise be to the Lord for he showed his wonderful love and that word there is loving kindness. He showed his wonderful loving kindness to me when I was in a besieged city. This is Paul or uh, David crying out to God. He's saying God is a ever uh, ever loving God. In Jeremiah chapter 9 Another place where we see that God is an ever, uh, he's ever loving us. Uh, Jeremiah 9, 23. Look what it says. It says, This is what the Lord says Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me. And how would we know him? Or what would we say? About God, that I am the Lord who exercise kindness. The same word is in Psalms. His loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. God is kind. In Titus chapter 3, uh, way back uh, at, at the end of, um, uh, end of your Bible or close to it, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 And 5, it says, But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us. What I see there is that God, He saved us. He did something useful for us. What we needed most was salvation in our lives. Church, God is kind he provided something useful for us to get our hearts and our minds around so it begs the question all right we know god is patient god is kind but are you kind to others is your first thought how can i be useful how can i be helpful how can i be meaningful in a relationship especially right after someone irritates you? Is that your normal or your first response? What about the people that you love most? I was thinking about this, and you've, you've experienced this just like I have. The people that are closest to you, the people you should love the most, often are the ones that you're least patient, least kind with. Husbands with wives, parents dealing with kids, in the community, in a work environment, in your school, with teachers or with friends. And honestly, some of us struggle in relationships. And the first response is not to be kind, but it's more to get back. But I want you to know, I believe this is a word from the Lord for someone here today, that kindness is a grace that can heal any relationship. Kindness can heal any relationships mm-hmm. when you're irritated how can i help how can i be hind, kind how can i be useful and we don't naturally think this way do we and it's because of our sin nature so the question is is, is you know how can i repay the wrong that's been done to me with good i've had a situation i uh, i may have mentioned it one other time uh, but there was this goes back a few years um, there was a, uh, a family that left our church, and when they left, they were pretty upset with me, and, uh, and I knew that there were some things wrong, and, and it, was, it was kind of a painful time, and, and um, uh, they were in leadership, and um, I ran into the wife um, of this couple um, over uh, at Cudoba, and we were walking in together, and I grabbed the door, and I said, hey, go ahead of me, and, uh, and they kind of did, and we got in, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, this lady turns around to me, and like right in my face says, do you know why I don't like you? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. And, uh, and I'm like, I don't really want to talk about this, but I'm like, okay. Uh, and she says, well, I'll tell you. And she's like pointing and like actually hitting my chest. And I'm like, what in the world? And uh, all this, and I'm thinking, I, in that moment, I'm wishing I had something to come back. You know, but I couldn't think of a certain, uh, of anything except God get me out of here. And, uh, but I'm having all these feelings and I'm saying, okay, God, help me to love this person in this circumstance. And I'm shaken. by the time we get up. I usually eat my food at Qdoba. The people there, they, they're kind of watching this whole interaction. I seriously, um, I thought about calling the cops. It was really, I was being assaulted. And I'm saying, okay, what do I do with this? What do I do in this circumstance? And I found some strength. Uh, in, and I don't think I handled it perfectly at that point. But I found some strength in Luke chapter six, and I want you to turn with me there. And we're going to kind of move to kind of wrap this up in first or in uh, uh, Luke chapter six. We see Jesus talking, encouraging us to love our enemies. In verse twenty-seven, says this. But I tell you, but I, uh, but I tell you, who hears me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who who curse you pray for those who mistreat you if someone strikes you on the cheek or hits you pounds you on the check, chest in Qdoba right <laughs> turn to him or her the other side as well if someone takes your cloak do not stop him from taking your tunic give to everyone who asks of you and if anyone takes what belongs to you do not demand it back do to others as you would have them do to you. It continues, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who will, you, where you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But verse 35, but, Love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And I found some comfort in that in saying, okay, God, How in the world could I do this? Because my natural tendency is to be bitter, to be angry, to think about it, to have bad feelings towards this person, kind of like my friend that came in and is dealing with this public situation and, and saying, man, every time I see this guy's name or bump into him, I'm feeling all these horrible things. Well, the reality is that we can't do it. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit's help. After service last week, as I was after, praying, after prayer, John Salwin came up to me. Some of you know who he is. He said, you know, as you talked about love, he said, don't forget that we do not have the capacity to love on our own. It's only with the Holy Spirit's help that we can be long-suffering, that we can extend kindness, that we can love. And there's a lot of truth there. If only... If you only love those who you know or those who will return the favor or if you expect to be paid back, that is not love. When I was in kids' ministry, um, I was at a conference uh, early on in my children's ministry, and uh, we were talking about love and we were talking talking about kids and reaching kids, and one of the presenters, I'll never forget it, he said, look, if you go after the kids that no one else cares about, God will reward you. And that's what it talks about here in Luke chapter 6, that if you love your enemies or if you love those that are the unlovely without any expecting of any repayment, God is the one who will reward you. How many would rather be paid back by your neighbor or by a business associate or you know, uh, 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 maybe a, a relative or to be paid back by God, right? I know I would. And the point is, the promise is, is that your reward will be great. Love is an action, church. And there's one more story. I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 9. Second Samuel chapter 9. When I was thinking about love and this is the I'll give you the backstory here David uh, uh, was a shepherd of course he's now king uh, Saul was his predecessor and uh, they they sang before uh, before David became king uh, in the kingdom they would sing Saul has slain his thousands but David his ten thousands you, you may have uh Heard, heard about that story. And uh, so Saul was angry at David. He hated David. He actually threw a spear at David on a couple different occasions. And, uh, but David continued in his life. He refused to retaliate. He was patient. He was kind with, with King Saul. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, at this point, David is now the king. And what I, what I want you to see here is that David would have had all the right in the human standpoint, to have retaliation at that point against Saul's family. But look what he, what he does. 2 Samuel chapter 9, David asked, Is there anyone still left from the house of Saul to whom I can you know, throw in the fire, put in the dungeon? No, to show kindness for Jonathan's sake. In verse 3, again, the king asks, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? What would motivate King David to do this? It was love. It was love for Jonathan, of course, who was Saul's son, but it was the love of God in his life. Let's look at verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, there was this guy, Mephibosheth. He was actually deformed uh, in both of his feet. He bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, with kind of with uh, this excitement. And I could just see Mephibosheth saying, your servant, right? He, he replied. And verse 7 says, don't be afraid. David said to him, For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. You fast forward to verse 11. So Mephibosheth ate at at David's table like one of the king's sons. And I read this story this week again. And I'd read it actually in my own devotions about a month ago. And it really kind of caught my attention then. I'm saying this is a crazy story that David would remember Mephibosheth. Why? Because of love. That he would be kind to someone that, where his family was so negative, wanted to kill him, it was because of love. What I love is what D.L. Moody said. He said the hardest thing for God to do is to make his children to be kind. And I I would say, yes, that is so true. It is hard for us, and we need the Holy Spirit's help to help us to be kind. The truth of the matter is that God is love, that He's patient, He's kind, and we can respond to Him. We need to respond to Him to receive His love. And that's where I want to kind of uh, close today. And I want us to challenge our own hearts and our own minds in fact, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want you to just think about the love, that God is patient, that God is kind. He, it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. It's His kindness, it's His patience that, with us that we don't get what we deserve. And this morning, if you're here this morning and you have not received c- God's kindness I want, you to, I want you to know that God, He loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would ever believe in Him would not perish like he, they deserve, but would have eternal life. And this morning, I don't know everyone here, I don't know where you are. If you're away from the Lord, though, or if you've never surrendered to Jesus, there's no reason you should walk out of these doors without getting your life right with Jesus. If you're here today and that's where you are, you're saying, man, I need to receive the love of Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you, give you that opportunity. Who here this morning would say, that's where I am today. I need the love of Jesus in my life. Anyone at all? Saying, I'm away from God. Okay. Continue to have your head bowed and eyes closed. There was no one that, that raised their hand this morning in first service. But I want to kind of bring this back to this, this personal sense. Where is your heart in the matter? How well do you love? If love is patience and love is kind, how patient are you? How long-suffering are you with others, even when you're wronged? And how kind are you giving what we do not deserve, or what someone else does not deserve. See, our hearts are what are most important. And if we're not patient, if we're not kind, we are not reflecting the nature of God inside of us. Let's just assume here this morning that everyone that's got their head bowed and eyes closed that you're a believer. And I, that's, that may be true this morning if you have accepted Christ inside of you, the love of God needs to be reflected in your life. You need to be patient with others in relationship. Not to retaliate, but to be patient, to be long-suffering. You need to be kind, looking for ways to be useful to others. And this morning, I want to just ask you the question, How many here this morning, by the raising of your hand, would say that I need help in these two areas or one of these two areas? Yeah, just raise your hand, sure. See, the truth is, is we can't do it on our own. And the truth really is that at times, we all struggle with these things. We're not patient with our wife or with our spouse or with our kids. We're not kind. We're not useful in our relationships. And instead, we want to lash back, strike back, say something back, cut somebody off, whatever the case might be. This morning, I want to pray for us that God would help us to embrace this truth and that this week in particular, that we would be patient and we'd be kind. Can everyone stand with me? And let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, the power of it. And I know that as we look at what love is, that you are going to continue to speak to us. But Lord, for this week in particular, will you help us to, to see the areas of our lives where we need some help? And Lord, Could we call on you, Holy Spirit, to help us to be patient, to be kind in these circumstances? And God, I just pray that you would help us to be a model example that the world would know that we are your disciple because of the love, the patience, the kindness that is coming out from each of us. Lord, go before us, behind us, and all around us In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. 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 We love you. Go in the grace of God. The altars are open if you need prayer for anything. But otherwise, go, enjoy your day, and enjoy the presence of God. Amen.